You know, the book of Acts opens there in that first chapter, wonderful, amazing, dynamic. And then by the time we get to the second chapter of the book of Acts, we get a, a look at what the church looked like right after the resurrection of Jesus, right after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. They were hot. They were on fire. And we just get this beautiful look, picture, scene of the early church in the book of Acts. I'm reading from Acts 2, verse 44. Now, all who believed were together. Everybody say together. Because that's what we are today. Online, we're together. In Oklahoma and Liberia and all over the world online right now, we're together. Now, all who believed were together and had all things in common and sold their possessions and goods and divided them among all as anyone had need. So continuing daily with, a, with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. What an amazing thing. Let me read it from the New Living Translation. And all the believers met together in one place. They were kind of in one place. And they shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, and shared their meals with great joy and generosity. All the while, praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. One more, the TPT. All the believers were in fellowship as one body, and they shared with one another whatever they had. Out of generosity, they even sold their assets to distribute the proceeds to those who were in need among them. Daily they met together in the temple courts and in one another's homes to celebrate communion. They shared meals together with joyful hearts and tender humility. They were continually filled with praises to God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord kept adding to their number daily those who were coming to life. So now here we are, 2,000 years on, looking back at what the second chapter of Acts showed us. Today, it's a little different. We're in a different scenario and situation. We're not, you know, we don't have the Roman Empire persecuting us or anything like that. Today, we don't, we don't have all things in common as they did. I don't have the keys to your car, and you don't have the keys to my car. But let me know if you need a ride, all right? But, I, but I'm just saying, I'm going to keep my keys. You're going to keep your keys. We may not have our houses in common, but we open our houses to one another, and we have food and fellowship and friendship and connect. And, and, uh, but you keep your key to your house, and I'll keep my key to my house. But what we do have, in common is this house. His house. Our Father's house. This we hold. 
in common. Jesus twice used the phrase, my father's house. Two times Jesus spoke of my father's house. The first is in John chapter 2 and verse 16, where he refers to the temple built with stone and wood by the hands of craftsmen, bought and paid for by the offerings and sacrifices of people. And we read these words of Jesus in John chapter 2 and verse 16. And he said, this is when he's driving out the money changers. And he said to them that sold doves, take these things hence. Make not my father's house. Make not my father's house a house of merchandise. And then the very next verse, the disciples saw Jesus with such zeal for his father's house. Wait a minute, his father's house. It was built by men. It was, it was stone. It was wood. It was the work of, of craft. But, but Jesus said, my father's house. And then they quoted the scripture from the Old Testament. Zeal for your house has consumed me. Speaking of Jesus and his attitude toward his father's house. Now, the second time Jesus speaks of his father's house is in John 14, verse 2. And he says this, in my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. So Jesus reveals to us that there is a father's house on earth for him. And there is a father's house in heaven for us. King Solomon said at the building of the temple in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, King Solomon said, now it was in the heart of David, my father. It was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house for the name of the Lord, the God of Israel. But the Lord said to David, my father, whereas it was in your heart, it was, in, it was in your heart to build a house for my name, you did well that it was in your heart. Nevertheless, it's not you who shall build the house, but your son who will be born to you, he will build the house for my name, the house that's in your heart. Now we know as New Testament Christians that we are his house. Our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. We are his dwelling. We are his church. But we as his church gather together in one place, like the second chapter of Acts. We come to a place, a place that has been dedicated and consecrated for the glory of God, for a lighthouse to a city 
that people can drive by and say, there's the church, a church, a house, a house committed and dedicated to God. Right here on the M4. Right here on the northern road with eight nice new lanes out in front of us. Right here on 31 acres is a school and a house dedicated and devoted to the king of kings and to the Lord of lords. And this building bought and not paid for completely, but certainly bought by the generation before us. Some, I believe, mortgaged their own homes to buy the land, to buy the property, and then literally wheelbarrows and hand-shoveled concrete laid the foundation we're sitting on and standing on today right here. That was the generation before us. They gave, they gave, they sacrificed. Now, we've been the generation, by the grace of God, within the last two or three years, they've been able to pay off all the debt. It's all paid for now. This land is all paid for. The building's paid for. Now, the school is a little different situation as we work through we, we, that's, uh, uh, with, with government and funding and, and those kinds of things, which is to advantage, not disadvantage. Yeah. But this building, like that building in Jerusalem, was built by God's people with their generosity and their heart their heart for the house and for his house. Now, we may not hold all things in common, but we hold many. We may not have everything in common like they did in the book of Acts, but we have many things in common. And as we worshiped today and as we gathered today, I could just sense this. I'll tell you what, we have this king and his cause in common. I can tell you that. And you heard the, the videos of, of, of families in this church. A lot of those people on the screen were born, literally born, while their parents were in this house, you know. We hold the vision of this house in common to make his last command our first priority. We hold the vision of this house in common to turn non-Christians into totally committed, dedicated followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. For decades... We have gathered together in this house to marry our sons and our daughters and bury our mothers and our fathers. For decades, we have been in this house dedicating our children to the Lord, partaking of the Holy Communion and baptizing family and friends who have decided to follow Jesus. And for many years, we have gathered here to preach and teach and reach a city in the western suburbs of Sydney with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as Belinda just said a while ago, more than statistics, which of course matter, but way more than that, we've gathered here to grow in grace and in stature and in character and in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We've gathered here to build our marriages and our homes on the rock so that when the storms and the floods of life beat against our houses, they will not fall, but they will stand because they are built on the rock of the Lord Jesus Christ. The church 
together in one place to provide our youth and young people with a vibrant, life-giving, hope-filled, purpose-driven, committed community of faith among young people. And as we just saw the most beautiful sight we can see, our own children teaching them the love of God, the grace of Christ, and the power of the Holy Spirit. We've gathered here for years to learn as one people together to do good, to love mercy, and to walk humbly before our God. These things we hold in common. God has joined us and knit us together in this one place. And I love what Mitch said earlier. And he's gathered many of us from other nations of the world and put us together here. Even your pastors brought us from the United States of America. And he's still trying to shake that American thing out of us and pour more and more of Australia into us. And we're willing, Lord. Yes, we're willing. Amen and amen. God has joined us. God has knit us together. This is the work of God. And we read in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 15, from whom the whole body joined and knitted, knit together by which every joint supplies, every single one of you, every single joint supplies according to the effective working by which every part, every part does its share. Every part is what makes us who we are. Every part causes growth of the body for the edifying of itself in love. You know, according to the New Testament, we have been put together, joined together, built together. We are members together, heirs together, fitted together, held together, and one day caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. These things we hold in common. We're talking about our heart, our heart for his house. The house of the Lord here, temporal, and the house of the Lord there, eternal. Jesus said, and I read it earlier, in my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Yeah. Now, while he is preparing a place for us, we are caring and repairing and improving his house in the western suburbs of Sydney. Because this we hold together. This we hold in common. The same way that we nurture and care and maintain our bodies, which are temporal, but we improve ourselves every way we can, or even our own home, spring cleaning. Every now and then we need to do this to a porch or a patio because they're our houses. In the same way, we nurture and care 
for our church, which is also, of course, a temporal building. And yet Jesus looked at that temporal building in Jerusalem and said, my father's house. And you know, family, what a house we have. How I honor Pastor Gordon Gibbs. How I honor his faith. When God spoke to him and great, great man of faith. And those of you who knew Pastor Gordon Gibbs, you know I'm not overstating it when I say that. And God told him there's land in the wind and there was no M4. It was just fields out here. There was just a little two-lane northern road running down the street. And God brought him over here. And, they, and, and, and Pastor Gibbs began to lay a vision before the church of land and land. And, and, then, and I can remember when Carol and I had just come to Australia, there was five acres being bought back up here where the old house is. And we were able to give an offering from our little Mount Zion church. We were able to give an offering for that, never realizing that, never thinking that that offering one day for those five acres would be something that we would be such a part of today. But what a house we have. Here we are with an airport coming in that will be the size of Canberra. Uh, uh, this, This is what... We're seeing that by the time that airport's in and that metropolis, uh, metro, anyway, that big space out there where people are going to be living, they reckon it'll be about 300,000 people, but like the size, like the size of Canberra. And you cannot drive into this city without coming past these 31 amazing acres with this school and this house and this church. Only God could have known that 10, 20, 30, 40 years ago. And yet here we are today, and this is our inheritance. I said, this is our inheritance. We have an amazing facility. I saw on, online the other day on Facebook where we had about 400 youth in here as about 11 different churches gathered in this facility and in this building because this building was here for that and could house that. Aren't you, aren't you proud of that? And I don't mean proud in the proud way. I mean proud in the mom and dad way kind of way. And you know what? Mitch said it. Once a year, we take up a special offering. How many remember when we paved the car parks out there? I had a good buddy out there. We were paving that car park together, and he and I started mucking around, and I broke his little finger out there in the car park. Did we ever get that all covered and fixed, Rob? (laughs) What an amazing facility God has given us. And so once a year, we have a special heart for his house day And that's today and tonight. I'll be bringing this message again tonight. Well, we bring a special offering. You know, a Thanksgiving offering, an appreciation offering to God for his house. I love what King David said when he was setting money aside for the house that was in his heart. In 1 Chronicles 29 and verse 3, he said, Moreover, look at the word he uses here. This 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 is great. He said, moreover, in my delight in the house of my God, in in my delight in the house of my God, the treasure I have of gold and silver, I give to the house of my God over and above all that I have already provided. We provide our tithes and we provide our missions and and you're just the most amazing church in all of Australia. But he said, but in my delight in the house of God, In my delight for the house of God, I give to the house of God. You see, this is not a compulsion. 
or a pressure or a coercion or even an obligation. This is our delight for his house that we bring our children or our young people or our wife or our husband, our family, our parents. This is our delight for his house that we bring a special offering to. And like you, I love this house. And I love doing life with you and your family in this house and on this property. I look around, so many of you through the years, we've laughed together, we've goofed off together, we've wept together, we bore things together. Carol and I have been doing life with many of you in this house for almost 25 years together. That's almost a quarter of a century. And we ain't done yet. Hallelujah, Jesus. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you will be done, Lord. But what I know for sure is that the best is still to come. I said, the best? Do you think the best is somewhere back behind us? We haven't seen our best day yet as a church. You know, Carol pulled out this week a, a, port, a, a folder of prophecies over this house. And I mean, it's like that thick of the most amazing prophetic words that have ever been spoken over this house. I'm telling you, the prophetic word of God is over this house. As a matter of fact, I just, one of them. This was just one paragraph from a prophecy from Steve Penny, Pastor Steve Penny, uh, on the 4th of November in 2001. When I tell you the best is yet to come, listen to this. This is what he prophesied. This is what God has put in my heart. The stone that the builders rejected has become the headstone, the chief stone and the cornerstone. The people that others thought wouldn't amount to much have become people of primary value. You think he was speaking of Westies or anything like that? I don't know. This church, this church is being raised up by God to be a lily white stone. The Bible talks about a stone that will roll down from the Mount Zion, from the house of God, into Babylon, into the nations of the world, and it will crush the systems of the world. I feel like God is saying that this church is being even now developed and built and is growing as a great stone that is going to roll into the nation one after the other. And it is going to be the chief stone, the cornerstone, and it is going to grow and many others are going to join themselves both here across this nation and beyond. And that, that will cause this stone to become a huge stone of the cause of Christ. It will be a stone of offense that means it will have the message of the cross integral within it, and it will go into the nations, not for any other mandate or purpose, but to take the power of the cross like a huge stone of offense, and it will crush the works of the enemy and will bring deliverance and release to many people in many nations. I'm telling you, family, the best, the best is still to come. And there have been some great days in this church, some amazing days in this church. I look around, I wonder how many of you found your spouse in this church. I wonder how many of you were either uh, married or engaged, or I wonder how many of you have been baptized in these waters here. I wonder how many of you really, your, your life 
You've been strengthened. You've been helped. You've been encouraged. And we've made an impact already. But the best is still to come. The best is still to come. So our greatest days are in front of us, not behind us. And I'm excited about that. Could I ask our praise and worship team to please come forward?